All right, and welcome or welcome back to the dumpster fire that is my podcast. I'm going to break the stigma against moms who smoke. Hey, my name is Paige. I'm going to stop doing the long spiel at the beginning of all the podcasts. Um, It's just redundant, and I've done 10 episodes now, so I feel like I've established myself. You guys kind of know a little bit about me. You'll notice that we have a background change. We are on our 11th episode, so... Yeah, that's exciting. I figured that it was time to switch it up a bit. I was honestly just feeling a different kind of vibe today. I love the tie-dye. I did this a few days ago. If you were on a live with me uh, about a week and a half ago, I think it was, I showed you guys that I had set it up. Um, Yeah, so just a little bit of a change up now that we are on our 11th episode. Before I get started, make sure that you're following us on Facebook. The Facebook page is Moms Who Smoke, and on Instagram, We are Moms Who Smoke podcast, but I am most active on the Facebook page and I go live on the Facebook page. I'm planning a couple of giveaways on the Facebook page. So just make sure that you're following us there so you can keep up with that. Um, Yeah. And as always, after every episode that I do release a survey on SurveyMonkey where you can anonymously leave any questions or comments you have if you don't feel comfortable reaching out and messaging, which always feel like you can please. I, I don't know. I'm always scrolling through the community pages that I'm a part of and obviously the podcast page. And I love getting messages and comments from you guys and messages saying that you're sharing it with other people or you like what I said, or you agree with something or you disagree and you share your opinion. I love it all. So always feel free to message me. Um, yeah, I love hearing from you guys. So before I really start this episode, I just want to put a trigger warning. I'm going to be talking about borderline personality disorder, which as a result of that, I'm going to be talking about some things to do with suicide, self-harm, potentially eating disorders, lots of different things. Um, So if you're sensitive to any of these kind of subjects, then maybe listen with a friend or make sure that you take some time to self-care before and after listening and take breaks if you need to, or just don't listen at all. Um, yeah, before I say anything, as always, these are my opinions and experiences, and I am speaking as someone with borderline personality disorder. I do not have any degree or anything. Um, yeah, this just me. And I, just because these are my opinions and I'm speaking out about my opinions doesn't mean that I don't want to hear your opinions if they differ or want to hear your guys' experiences and how they differ from mine. Um, This, again, is just my side of things and how I feel about things. So so this week's topic jumped out at me a few times. Um, A few people have that either have borderline personality disorder or have someone in their life with BPD um, have reached out to me and either asked questions or shared their experiences or said that, you know, it really helped them by the way that I spoke out or the opinion that I shared. So I wanted to kind of continue on that. So in the first episode that I did on borderline personality disorder, I had Carolyn ask me 10 questions from someone who does not have BPD and doesn't know much about it. It's not like I spent every day with her or anything. So it's not like we had spent a significant amount of time around each other. So from someone from a completely outside kind of perspective. Um, During that episode, I talked about what borderline personality disorder is in short form, how I was diagnosed, medications I have used and what has or hasn't worked, the misconceptions surrounding BPD, 
how people react when I talk about it, if it's something I will live with for my whole life, my lowest points, the positives and or silver linings, and advice I have to offer for loved ones of someone with BPD, and one thing about BPD I wish everybody knew. So I will link that episode down below if you haven't already listened to it. That's a good preface to this one, um, just so you kind of get where I'm at in my journey. So since posting that episode, like I said, many people have reached out. So I figured it was time to do my second BPD episode and dive a little deeper into life with BPD. In the weeks after posting, someone in the community shared a link with me. Um, And before I explain this, I just want to make sure that the right person gets the credit. So this was written by Christine Miserandino. I really hope I said that right. And can be found at butyoudontlooksick.com. I have no rights to this article. I just found it very helpful in my mental health journey. And I believe in sharing information and trying to make sure everyone has access to the same resources and can is benefiting as much as they possibly can. So I wanted to read out this article, but to be honest with you, it is a very long article and it would take me probably half of this episode to read it out to you. So I'm going to leave it to you guys to read it, but I will sum it up for you. Um, Essentially, she's talking to one, this woman has written an article about an experience she had when she was in college. So she was talking to one of her college friends and a conversation about her condition came up. So she summed up having lupus with having so many spoons per day. Um, The spoons represented her energy and ability to complete certain tasks or any tasks. And she walked her friend through a regular day with lupus and used each spoon to symbolize how one decision affects the next, the whole day, or even days in the future. Um, So she calls this the spoon theory, and it blew my mind when I read it. I, although it's about lupus, I found that it related very well to to having borderline personality disorder. All of my actions, interactions, chores, and emotions, etc., throughout the day add up and emotionally, sometimes physically, tax me. So if I do too much, I struggle by the time it hits like 3 p.m. and I'm exhausted and I really have to force myself to not sit down and go to sleep or whatever. Um, it's a real, real mental struggle to get through the rest of the day if I've just been go, 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 go all morning and afternoon. Um, and if I can be productive throughout the whole day and keep my emotions in check, so keep myself balanced, like I'll do something and then I'll take a little bit of a break, whether that means going outside to smoke a bowl, which is usually what it means, um, or just taking 10 minutes to sit and relax or numb out for five minutes on TikTok. I don't know. Um, if I sprinkle that throughout the day, while also being productive, by the end of the day, I'm still feeling semi-okay and I'm not completely exhausted because then I have paced myself both physically and emotionally. Um, That includes having conversations with people or going out with certain people or doing certain things. Um, Yeah, I have to be cautious about that. So, and on the total flip side of that, which I'm going to say a lot throughout this, so if you don't like hearing the flip side of that, Sorry, I'm going to say it a lot. Um, If I'm lazy and unproductive, that also takes a massive emotional toll on me and my state of mind. And it's all about finding the right balance. So it's, yeah, 
like I said, it's a fine balance. I need to kind of be careful. And if I wake up and something happens in the morning that I'm immediately triggered, which I hate to use that word because I feel like the social media, it's been, I don't know, the word doesn't mean what it used to, but that's what it's called is being triggered. And so if I'm triggered in the morning, I have to be very cautious about how I go about my next two to three hours to make sure that I don't have a bad day instead of a bad hour or two. So, yeah. So what I want to do is, oh, I skipped a whole thing. Oh, I would have been so mad. I write out a whole script. I think I've told you guys this before, but I like to go off on tangents, if you haven't noticed. And that's why I keep referring and kind of reading off the screen. Because if I don't do that, then we're going to be talking about, like, my third cousin's best friend's mom or something. Because that's how easily I lose my train of thought. Anyways, I'm trying to talk about something serious. You guys are used to this. I don't need to apologize. Okay, okay. So when I first got read the article, it really got my mind going. Um, not only does it put illness and its effects into an understandable perspective, but it also made me take a step back and really realize that not everyone deals with what I do on a daily basis. And I'm sure that many other people have mental health issues and physical issues that I can't understand. And you know, or cannot completely understand, at least I can empathize. Um, but there's a huge part of the population that doesn't experience those things. And that then sent me onto another wavelength. Like I said, 50,000 trains going at once. Um, BPD. So if I feel this way, and I feel that there's a lack of people talking about it, and a lack of hearing about what it's actually like to live with a disorder, then there must be other people who feel the same way because it's really hard to find like somebody having like a regular conversation like I'm trying to do now. Um, just talking about life with BPD or bipolar or schizophrenia or any of these things. So I want to do that. And what I want to do is talk about my daily life. So I want to talk about the symptoms of BPD and how I manage them on a regular day. Um, and I also kind of want to explain what they are a bit because I think some people were a little bit confused in the last episode. Uh, so I'm going to try and clarify. But again, if you have questions, please message me. I'm more than happy to answer them. Answer them. Um, but again, I am not an expert. I have BPD. I'm talking about life with BPD and I'm, it's off of the research that I've personally done. So please do your own research and educate yourself as well. And do not self-diagnose, but education is never a problem. Like if you are educating yourself on this because you believe that you have it and you're doing that so you can kind of have that in your head that, okay, this is probably it until you can get into a professional, that's great. If you cannot get into a professional, well, this information might help you if you're feeling this way and you didn't have, you know, an answer for it. That's kind of how I found out that I had BPD was I was researching because I thought somebody else in my life had it. So what I'm going to do is, yeah, and I wrote that, see, I keep talking backwards. So I'm going to go through them in the same order that we used in the first episode to try and keep it as easy to understand as possible. I'll be going through the DSM-5 and after that I'll be talking about other BPD things. Um, and I'm going to timestamp each of the DSM-5 for easy referral to the previous BPD episode um, because I did refer to that in the beginning of um, 
our my first BPD episode, like I said. I don't know how much I've repeated myself. And I just want to say one more time, I do not suggest self-diagnosing, but I do believe it's important to educate yourself. And I was diagnosed about three years ago, and I have made leaps and bounds in my mental health journey over the last decade as much over the last decade with my mental health journey and over the last three years with borderline personality disorder. Um, so my description and advice on my life and my day-to-day life may not be the same as someone else with BPD just because of where I'm at in my journey and my healing process and the work I've done because I'm nowhere near where I was a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. So everybody's at a different point in their journey and just take that into consideration when you're taking in this information. Um, so, and I'm sorry, again, then I'm not going to apologize. Nope. We're just going to keep going. So the first is real or imagined abandonment. So to break this down as simply as possible, it's almost like our brain tricks us into seeing signs or believing that a person is going to leave forever or reject us or affect our situation negatively. And because of this, we then feel this frantic need to either establish that the person is staying or the situation won't change or because of how overwhelming it feels we end the situation altogether to avoid the anticipated pain or emotion of it Um, we're really sensitive to our surroundings and when they change because of that we can have intense or unexplained anger or sadness even if it's a normal amount of separation or like uncontrollable change of plans such as like a doctor reschedules your doctor's appointment or cancels it whatever um on a normal day at my point in my mental health journey this can be represented by one the amount of contact i have with those around me if i'm pretty disconnected and don't talk to anyone by the end of the day i sometimes feel this need to like panic reach out to everybody um and it feels like if i don't do this then i'm going to completely lose that connection with them even though that's not true it's just something that's in my mind that is kind of driving me up like is like a recurring thought trying to use the right words um and if i don't but on the flip side whether over text or phone um i panic that i'm messaging too much or bothering someone when i do talk which is always kind of a thought on my mind but it intensifies in the moments where I have disconnected myself for the day, or maybe I've been talking to a lot of people that day, but maybe not one person specifically, but because I've been sending so many messages throughout the day, I feel like I've been bothering everybody and it just kind of becomes like a, I don't know, a thought that I can't let go of or is very hard to move on from. And I don't know if that's real or imagined abandonment. I don't know if I dove into that too far. And I just also want to say, sorry, guys, if this bothers you that I keep just like sidebarring. Um, But I dive into this stuff. And as I'm writing, sometimes it links to another one of the DSM-5. So sorry if it gets a little confusing. I'm trying to explain it in the best way that I can. Um, But again, it's a little difficult. So again, it was real or imagined abandonment. So that was the first one. And two not having an established plan or a changing plan. So if I kind of set the idea in my head that we're doing X, Y, Z, but then we do Y first, or if there's no plan at all, or something gets canceled, I panic. 
it sends my brain into like an instant spiral and then I have to mentally combat that while continuing to do whatever I was doing. Um, and it's just like a, I almost want to refer to it as like a Jenga tower and like some, when something gets canceled, it's like someone roughly takes a block out. So then you're like, you're shaking and you have to stabilize. I don't know if that's a good like explanation of it, but it's, Oh. And it's all in your head, which is really difficult. It's not like it's a physical ailment. Sometimes like you'll have physical signs and like you'll have anxiety. So you're going like this, or you're trying to get rid of your anxiety. So you're trying to do, you know, coping mechanisms so you can calm down. Um, but it's still an extremely overwhelming thought. And I find that I have to continually combat that thought throughout the rest of the day, kind of regardless. So anyways, that was the first um, so the second is a pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships characterized by extremes between idealization and devaluation, also known as splitting. So this one is kind of simply explained. Um, we can struggle with feeling someone is either all good or all bad. If they do something we see as good, we feel the need to praise them and we feel like they're this amazing human being that can kind of do no wrong. Um, but then if they do something that we perceive as bad, it's like that one thought depicts who they are and that frustration is set in stone. So that bad thing could be something that is completely minuscule that somebody doesn't even notice that they do, or it could be, you know, somebody actually being manipulative or, you know, intentionally trying to hurt us. Um, but it, our brains kind of go it's either one or the other, there's no in-between. And it's really hard to kind of have an in-between state. And I think that that's where the instability in our lives kind of comes in because it's either all good or all bad. So we're either doing good or we're doing bad. And to have an in-between state is almost like an uncomfortable feeling. And I don't know if that's because we're not used to it or what it is. Again, I'm still kind of in the middle of my mental health journey and I will be going through it for the rest of my life but I'm still learning and you know I just associate those two sorry if I keep hitting the mic and it's being really loud I'm not trying to um so on a normal day for me this looks like me having so on a normal day for me this looks like me having a conversation with say a family member and rolling through that those feelings through a conversation with them so I'm at a point where this isn't so outward as when I was first diagnosed, but internally it honestly feels like a mental or a, a mental and emotional roller coaster. So if I'm talking to somebody and say I can hear like they lie about something little and it irritates me, or they make a comment about something and it irritates me, I honestly feel like I'm going from angry to calm to angry to calm. And it's like sometimes I almost feel the need to physically brace myself against like a counter or a wall because it feels that intense. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's what I feel. Yeah, it's very black and white thinking. It's also known as splitting if I didn't say that. So if <laughs> I'm gonna cut myself off again, I keep like doing things like this and like moving around and that's because talking about this stuff gives me anxiety, I'm gonna be honest. It's a lot to talk about. So sorry if this episode is, again, a lot of me stopping and going and 
is kind of choppy. I'm doing my best. Um, it's kind of difficult to talk about. I said this already. Anyways, so third is identity disturbance. So a markedly or persist persistently unstable self-image or sense of self. So in my personal life, where I see this is in things like my style. So I very quickly jump between a few certain styles, but I'm never 100% set on one. Um, I'm working on that more so lately because I really do like my style and I'm becoming more secure in myself. So I feel like I'm sticking to more like one or two styles. Um, but up until this point, it's been a very rapid change for me. I'll go from very girly to very tomboyish to dressing in all black like I am now. Um, no jewelry, lots of jewelry, rings, no rings. Like it just really flips. And where I also see this is in my ideals. So my ideals change, um, not as frequently as they did again when I was first diagnosed, but things I deem important can very quickly or frequently change. Um, as I've gotten further along in my journey, this is one of the th things that's been easier to gain control of because, I don't know, I can physically calmly sit down now and say, I care about A, B, C, and, you know, W, X, Y, Z are important to me. And it's a lot easier to establish that now, but when I was in the more chaotic part of my recovery process, I guess, when I was still spiraling, um, I could not sit back and recognize all of that. So I need tea or else I'm going to lose my voice. So fourth is impulsive behavior in at least two areas that are potentially self-damaging. So for example, this is spending, sex, substance abuse, reckless driving, and binge eating. Um, at, among many others. So I think in my life that many of these have shown through in the past. Where I'm at now, I believe this comes through my eating habits and lack thereof. Um, in the past, I definitely struggled with being presented with a choice that was clearly bad for me and running through with it just because I felt like I either had no worth or that the consequences didn't matter because I struggled so much anyway. So what was adding one more thing onto the pile? Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it can shine through in many different areas. And I don't think people realize that a lot of little things can actually be impulsive and reckless behavior. And it's about learning what those things are for you. So yeah, oh. I keep saying, I don't know. I kind of know. So the fifth is recurrent suicidal behaviors, gestures, or threats, or self-harming behavior. Um, these aren't, I just want to say, these aren't things that we do for attention. Most of the time, I guess you never know, depending on the person, but we do it because we are in extreme emotional pain and want relief. And I don't really think it needs explanation further than that. Um, but yeah, I've obviously, I've obviously struggled with self-harming in the past um, and suicidal tendencies. And people have asked me how I stopped cutting. Um, honestly, I stopped cutting because I had kids and I was really, really scared that they'd start noticing and that they were getting old enough to notice. And I also, like I do other things, like I play with my hands now. I play with my hair a lot. 
I like to wear rings and bracelets because it's something I can fidget with. Um, I also wear oversized hoodies so I can play with the ends of them. It's actually really difficult not to have a hoodie on right now just because I'm anxious. I also love having blankets around. Um, I'm a very tactile kind of person, I've realized. And same with like having a hot drink, especially a cup of tea. Um, you just really have to catch yourself, you catch yourself in those moments and soothe yourself and go through those feelings, but find a way to take yourself away from that or keep yourself in a safe space where you know you can't do any of those things so that you can try some of these coping mechanisms. Um, it's always easier said than done, especially from someone who's clean to somebody who isn't. And I will never judge anybody for self-harming. Um, I have scars, I'm not gonna show you guys, but I have scars all over my thighs, all over my arms. Um, it's a way to find release. And unfortunately it does provide almost the same sense of relief as serotonin does. Um, because your body is, you're sending, it's sending basically adrenaline, I think. I don't know what exactly the terms are, but it's sending the same receptors to your brain as when, you know, serotonin hits your brain and you're happy and it provides that momentary sense of relief and that's why people do it. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's one of the symptoms of BPD. So sixth is emotional in instability in reaction to day-to-day -day events. Um, for example, intense episodic, uh, intense episodic sadness, irritability, or anxiety, usually lasting a few hours and only rarely more than a few days. So as I like to put it, sometimes my mood just dies. Right there, in a puddle, right there. One little seemingly regular thing can send me right off the deep end emotionally. Um, other times it's like a roller coaster and those days I can feel my brain shifting from mood to mood and I just sit back and cope the best I can. In periods of depression or extremely low moods, when I feel even slightly emotional about something, I break down and cry uncontrollably. Um, it's not something that I can just shut off because in that low state, my brain is already so tired from just being that even small and everyday things become huge triggers and whether they're positive or not. Um, and I, it's not something that I have an ability to control when I am feeling that low. Um, and again, that's why I'm working to be able to control it and learning new coping mechanisms. And that's why I'm doing better. Um, but on the roller coaster days or moments, I can go from laughing to sobbing in a split second. And while I've gotten really, really good at recognizing my triggers and how to handle the situation when it does happen, internally, it's still emotional whiplash. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And you almost have to check yourself in every situation and be on top of yourself and prioritize how you're feeling and be conscious of the situations that you put yourself in and honestly how you're feeling before you go into those situations. So the seventh is chronic feelings of emptiness. I'm sorry that I said that funny, um, but this one kind of explains itself. I don't have a better word for it other than empty or numb. 
I always feel it at some point in the day. Some days it's heavier, other days it's not. Um, but I'm also diagnosed with major depressive disorder, so I may be confusing the symptoms. I don't know if I can fully separate the two or if they are the same thing. Um, but yeah, chronic feelings of emptiness. So eight is inappropriate or intense anger or difficulty controlling anger. So for example, frequent displays of temper, constant anger, or recurrent physical fights. So with BPD, emotions are extremely intense. So when those emotions change on a dime or are triggered without much warning, it's extremely difficult to keep the reactions in check. Um, we don't always react in the way we want to, but we feel so intense that we like can't stop ourselves. Or I use the term can't loosely because you can't un because you can unlearn patterns and behaviors and work on that. But in those moments, you kind of lose control completely. Um, and that's why I said it's very important to constantly be checking yourself and checking in with your moods and that. Um, yeah. So I am very quick, like in my day-to-day -day life, I am very quick to bite. And I feel, if I feel that me, my family, or my peace is being threatened whatsoever, um, it ties back to the very intense emotions and constantly having to keep that in check. But my emotions can change on a dime, so that means that I also need to be able to catch that change on a dime. I'm better at I'm getting better at catching that and working through it. But again, I'm not perfect, and sometimes my emotions do get the best the best of me, as they do everybody sometimes. Um, but yeah, constant check in. Ninth and the last of the DSM-5 is transient stress-related paranoid ideation or severe dissociative symptoms. So in my life, this is dissociation, which the best explanation that I can give for that is it's almost an out-of-body out experience. I feel numb and very disconnected from my physical body, what I look like in my interactions, and it's hard to function throughout the day like I just feel extremely disconnected and very brain foggy and like I'm there but not there like I'll be reading the kids a bedtime story and it's like I'll skip a few pages but I've actually read those pages but I've just been so out of it that I just zombied through it and read it but didn't realize that I did if that makes sense like I'm cognitively there the whole time and like if they were to say something or talk to me like I'm alert and I'd respond but I'm very zoned out and almost like I said out of body it's kind of hard to explain um that's been a lot just talking about the DSM-5 and sorry that I kind of stumbled through a lot of that I hope that it made sense um but other BPD things that I want to talk about are things like waking up extremely angry um, that goes into the uncontrollable anger part of the DSM-5. But I feel like people don't talk about that. Like some mornings, I just wake up with a fiery rage in my chest for no apparent reason at all. Like I could wake up the same way that I have for the past seven days, and the past seven days have been great days. But because, I don't know, some, one little thing was off, I just woke up angry. And when I wake up like that, that's actually why I smoke. So if I wake up on a morning like that, that's when I smoke immediately. Um, and I, I go make my cup of tea, I get the kids something to eat, and then I get my smoke, pack my bowl, and go outside. 
and I have my 10 minutes and then I take my vitamins and my medication and go about my day. Um, it's, I don't know, I haven't heard many people talk about it and it really sucks to sometimes just wake up so freaking angry and it just like takes over your whole body and like you could run through it. I swear to God, I could like run through a door with the amount of rage that goes through my body and learning to, I don't know, combat that rage and kind of separate yourself from your brain and be like, well, this anger is just like a little frat boy named Kyle and I'll be damned if I let Kyle fuck my day up. So if you look at it like that, like, I don't know, that's kind of how I've gone through most of my mental health journey is just making it funny in some way or just being completely morbid with it. Um, I don't know. When you feel so shitty saying these things that sound so morbid, don't feel so morbid. Like it's, it's quite the skill to be able to separate yourself completely from what you're feeling. And that's been an important step in my mental health journey. Um, other BPD things. Hmm. Flying off the seat of my pants. Mm. If I text somebody and they don't respond, I'm getting better. Like, if they don't respond, I'm pretty good about, like, okay, people are busy. But if I text somebody and they read it and then they don't respond, my brain spirals. Like, it just goes into, like, 60,000 different freaking scenarios on how I've offended them and they're no longer a part of my life. And, like, I've just done something to completely fuck up this friendship. And, like, my brain just goes there immediately. And this was something that I really, really, really struggled with at the beginning of my BPD journey was every emotion that I had, I reacted to it. And a lot of these emotions had nothing to do with any situations that were going on. They were either, you know, little spirals I had gone off in my head about, or they were, you know, actual situations, but I had, you know, not thought about it from a calm perspective I had just immediately snapped and gone and thought about all of these terrible scenarios that didn't actually happen and it's a lot about just like I've said a couple times this video continually checking yourself and making sure that you are on top of those emotions and you are on top of any little thing that could possibly be a trigger and sometimes that's exhausting but it's better than having to deal with a breakdown because of it. Um, having borderline personality disorder is a journey and a half. Oh my God. It's a lot. But there's so much hope and recovery is very possible. And counseling can get you far and medication can help and weed can help. And there's so many different avenues that can make life easier. And yes, you're still going to have shitty days. Sometimes you, you're never not going to have shitty days. You're not human if you don't, but it is possible. I know like I was at such a low point and I thought that there was no way that I was ever going to go a week without feeling as crappy as I did. And slowly but surely a day became two days and two days became four days and four days became a week. And it got to the point where a week would become a month. And that's about, I think, as far as I get is right, maybe a month, couple weeks. But I don't know. I'm just very grateful to not feel that way every day and to be where I am. 
and to be at the point that I am in my journey. So that is all I have for the second episode on borderline personality disorder. Um, if you guys, again, have any questions or comments, please feel free to message me. I always want to hear from you guys, and especially about stuff like this. I love hearing from other people with BPD because, in all honesty, it also helps me in my mental health journey to hear what others with the disorder have gone through. And I think that me speaking up about my journey can also help other people as well, or at least make them feel a little bit less alone. So that is what I have for this week. I hope that you guys enjoyed. We're going to have lots of cool things coming up. I just had a really honestly long week. Let's do the check-in. That's this, this could be the check-in. See, I know what I'm doing. So I, that was not all I had for you. We're going to cut that part out so you guys don't click off. Okay, so now we are going to do the weekly check-in because I almost forgot and then started talking about my week anyway. So now we're going to do that. Um, but I had a long week, so like as far as mental health went, so I kind of fell behind on making connections with people and getting some recording done and planning ahead for episodes. So that's what this next week is going to be about. I have lots of exciting things coming up. I have a candle coming from Explicit Wix. I have, she's fantastic. I'm so excited to get it from her. She's making a little label and I have a jar for her. Okay. I'm so excited. And then I'm also going to be doing a true crime episode. Her name's Lisa, just in case you guys are wondering. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. And there's a few other connections that I've made. I think I'm going to be planning a photo shoot here soon, a Moms Who Smoke photo shoot. So if you guys have any cool photo ideas, please let me know. I'm going to start putting together a mood board for it. And yeah, so this week's been a little bit long, but I am back on top of things. And that is it for this week's episode. So as always, if you have any questions or comments for us, you can find us on Facebook at Moms Who Smoke, on Instagram at Moms Who Smoke Podcast. On Twitter, we are The Moms Who Smoke, which I'm not usually on Twitter, so maybe not Twitter. Um, on TikTok, I am The Mom Who Smokes. And yeah, we also have that anonymous survey monkey link for you guys to leave questions and comments. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this week's episode. I am recording this and it is 9.24 p.m. on Wednesday night and this is going live tomorrow at noon. So I need to go record, but I need to go record. I need to go edit. I just recorded. See, I'm tired. Brain, no. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed. We will see you in next week's episode. And that has been BPD with Paige. <laughs>